Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You know, if it's ever been said of you, who do you think you are? Know you're in good company. I've had that my whole life. Who do you think you are? And usually it has a bit of a sting attached to it. Normally it has a bit of a, an attitude attached to it. Well, you know what? I'm in good company because they said that of Jesus. They said, who do you think you are? And this series is about us finding out just in fact who it is that we are. And I realise in order for us to think correctly, we have to remove some of the incorrect thoughts first. If you go to an old building site where there's an old building up there and you want to build a brand new building, you can't just build over the new old building. You've got to remove the old building first before you can build the new building. So sometimes you've got to remove before you can improve. And so I'm trusting that this series will not only give you new ways of thinking, but will also deal with some of the old stinking thinking that we have in our lives. Turn to the person next to you and say, stinking thinking. That's a... I just want you to say that because I just like the sound. It's stinking thinking. I tell you, that's what's robbing us. It's this stinking thinking. And this whole series is about us thinking correctly as to who we really are. Because our identity must come before our activity. It's not that we want to breed lazy people, but we want to make sure that all of our actions and all of our activity is based on and founded on a healthy identity, on a healthy foundation. I remember many, many years ago when I was an itty bitty kid and, and my dad and my mom would just, just love on me. And, and the first thing that they wanted to instill in me is just how much they loved me. You know, and then I think about when I was a dad and, and I had, well, I still am a dad, dad of three kids and uh, kind of a dad of a bit of a, a whole church really, but got three kids. But when they were younger, I, I remember these, these babies and, and they didn't really do much for us. They, 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 they pooed a lot, they cried a lot. And they seemed to sleep at the wrong times and they were awake at the wrong times. And so they didn't really give much back. But oh my goodness me, I just love them. And then I want, my, my goal and, and Kath's goal for our kids was just to let them know just how much we love them. Now, I, I, I've got to be honest with you. When I was saying, I love you, and we did all that stuff, which, which good parents do, I was hoping that one day they would eventually stop pooing their nappy. I was hoping that one day they would stop crying all the time and I was one day, hoping one day that they would contribute to the family. That was the ideal, but it's not where we started. Can, can you imagine having a child, a, a nitty bitty baby and he poos his nappy and, and you say, oh, come on, that's ridiculous. Who do you think you are? Don't you think I have better things to do than change your nappy all the time? And maybe you've done that as a parent, but... I think there's a better way. And I'm so grateful that I grew up in a loving home and a loving environment that ensured that my identity was intact first. If you've been in part of this church for a long period of time, you'd know this story, but I know there are many, many new ones. But when I was 12 years of age, I got caught shoplifting. I won't go into all the details, but I was with my mum and uh, that was not a smart thing to do. If you're ever going to shoplift, don't do it with your mum. Write that down. <laughs> no, don't shoplift. That's what I'm saying. But, but I, I, I took some bubble yum, bubble gum. I'll never forget it. Bubble yum, bubble gum. People my age remember the bubble yum. Laura said, yeah, bubble yum, bubble gum. And I took some bubble gum. I, I took it off the shelf. I, I didn't pay for it. I felt pretty proud about myself that I'd taken this. I gave a piece to my friends. And then I got a tap on the shoulder. Long story short, I was taken to a little room. I heard these words over the 
PA system, which kind of haunt me to this day a little bit, if I'm honest, and it was this, Mrs. Rainbow to Manchester, Mrs. Rainbow to Manchester. And it's weird when you're a kid, 12 years of age, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, we must be in Manchester. I never knew that. <laughs> this is weird. I mean, and my mum comes and she was distraught, obviously, and, and she takes us home and I was with my two friends. And, and I'll never forget, we stopped at the lights on this occasion and on our way home and it was silent. And this armoured car rocks up alongside us. And my friend, the only thing he said, which was really unhelpful, he said, hey, imagine raiding that. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I may be young and dumb, but I'm not stupid. I'm just like, not the time. And, and so we get home and, and uh, the two friends of mine get out, the, get out, you know, Robert Fleming and Darren Bentley. I'll never forget their names. And, and Darren shouts out, see you in about a year's time. He thinks I'm going to be grounded. <laughs> I'm thinking, I know my dad, if I'm lucky, if I survive this, you know, and my mum said these words, and you've probably all heard them at different times, you wait till your father gets home. <laughs> and I've got to be honest with you, at that moment in my life, I didn't want to see my dad, not that night, not ever, <laughs> which was really weird, because only 24 hours earlier, I couldn't wait for dad to come home, because only 24 hours earlier, dad would come home from work, and this was his kind of thing in the summer months. And he'd spend about half an hour to an hour with us kids and many other kids in the area. And we'd go down the paddocks just up the road here and we'd play cricket. And so I couldn't wait for Dad to come home, but not that night. Isn't it amazing? My actions changed my desire to see my dad. My dad didn't do anything different. It was just me. The day earlier, oh, come on, Dad, hurry up. Can't wait for you to get home. Let's play cricket. Let's play cricket. Come on. Can I bat? Can I bowl? Don't want to field. Can I bat? You know, that kind of thing. Um, long story short, got caught shoplifting. Now I don't want to see my dad. Happy to never see him again. And I was terrified. And I'll never forget the sound of the car coming up the driveway. Dad gets out. And Dad's a fairly discerning guy. He picked up in the atmosphere that something wasn't quite right. And I said, what's going on? And my mum says, tell him. <laughs> I love my mum, but not that day. I, you know, just, <laughs> and I had to tell him. And, and you've got to understand, I, I was, I was distraught. I mean, I had tears galore. I was crying and I was crying and I was crying and I was clenching my butt cheeks. <laughs> you young ones don't even know what that means. He said, why would, he, why would he tense his butt cheeks? Because back in the day, it was a different world. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Parents could do things back then that they're not allowed to do now. And, and so, <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I had to tell my dad that I've been caught shoplifting. I, got, I, got, I took some bubble gum. And I know many of you know where this is going, but what came out of my dad's mouth that day changed me forever. It's lived with me. That's why I can tell the story so clearly because it's like it just happened yesterday. And it was one of those moments for good in my life. My dad looked me in the eye and said, look at me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> He says, Tony, you should have been quicker. <laughs> Butt cheeks. <sighs> what? Now, I promise you this. My dad from that day to this was not condoning shoplifting. He wasn't hoping I'd go on to a career in shoplifting. But he was 
sending a message loud and clear that's lived with me forever. And that's why this series is so important to me as I trust it's becoming important to you. He wanted me to know something, that there is nothing you can do, for good or for bad, that makes you more or less of a son to me. You are my son. And I knew that. I, I, just, I just, something clicked. A message was made loud and clear that day. And he said this, he said, that may be what you've done, but it's not who you are. Now, again, I'm going to say this again. My dad did not want me to go on to a life of crime and theft. But he wanted to, my life to be on a foundation of a true identity of what it means to be his son. And he modelled something to me that the Bible refers to as unconditional love. And he let me know in real terms that no matter what you do, you'll always be my son and you'll always be accepted and you'll always be loved by me. You can't ever, ever take that away from me. You'll always be my son. I'll always be uh, pleased with you and I will always love you. And nothing you can do can rob me of that. And I started to realise, wow, that's the Gospel. This is the Gospel. This is why the Gospel is referred to as good news because the good news is you are not what you have done. That you are a child of God that you've been accepted, that you are loved, that you are saved, that you are an heir. These are all the subject matter that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. This is a game changer. And that's why I love Jesus and it's why I hate religion. Because religion says you have to do something to earn favour with God. And that's the very opposite of why Jesus came. Christianity is the only religion that you don't have to do anything to get to God. He came to us. For God so loved the world that He came. He sent His Son and Jesus came. The Word became flesh. Jesus dwelt amongst us. Every other religion is about what you've got to do to get to God. But Christianity is a game changer because it's not about what we did. It's about what He did. And some 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ hung upon a cross and He said these three words, it is finished and it was a game changer. Your sins have been paid for in full once and for all. And if you want salvation, there's only one way. It's to accept the gift that was given. It's not about you doing anything. And it's not about you not doing the wrong thing. It's not about you doing the right thing. It's about you receiving the greatest gift of all time and eternity. And that is Jesus Christ. And that is the one we celebrate week by week. And it's the one we're going to celebrate two weeks from now around Easter as we remember His death, as we remember His suffering, as we remember His burial, as we remember His resurrection, as we remember His ascension into heaven, as we remember the fact that He prays and intercedes on behalf of the church day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, millennium after millennium. This is the good news. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people that would call themselves Christians but don't understand that they're still trying to earn favour with God through the things that they do. And they're forever beating themselves up about the things that they've done that they didn't want to do. And that tells me you don't fully understand who you are in Christ. And I'm so grateful for my upbringing. Now, I know many of you did not have that upbringing. And you might look at me and say, that's okay for you, Tony, because you had an upbringing like that. But the good news is my dad, who gave that to me, as I've tried to pass it on to my kids, he didn't have that pass on to him. And this is what that moment taught me, that you can learn from a good model model, and you can learn from a bad model. 
You can learn from a good example and you can learn from a bad example. My dad's dad, my granddad, who I never met, he died before I was around. But he was more of an absent alcoholic father. And he certainly didn't give to my dad what my dad gave to me. And my dad looked at my dad's life and thought, well, I know what not to do, so I'm just going to do the opposite. And he found Jesus and it was a game changer. And I, and I live as a recipient of the incredible grace of God given to me in the form of my dad. And that's why our part that we play is so important. People need the Word of God fleshed out. They need to see Jesus and they're not going to see Jesus in the flesh, but they are going to see Jesus in the flesh through you. And I'm in church today, not because I'm a pastor. And I, I, I didn't go to church because my dad was a Christian. I, I walked into church as a teenager because I realised that what was on my dad's life wasn't on a lot of other people's lives. And I just fell in love with what was on his life and what was on his life and what was in his life was Jesus. And I fell in love with a man by the name of Jesus because he's the one who came into my life and set me free from my sin. He saved me. He's made me a child of God. And I didn't do anything to deserve that. This is the grace of God. This is the unmerited favour. It's not because I helped uh, an old lady across the road, of which is a good act. It's not because I got a cat down a tree. I believe any cat that's up a tree that can't get down shouldn't come down. Just stay up there. <laughs> but I do know that there was one who loved me enough to pay for my sins through going on a cruel cross. And that has changed my life. And I believe it can change your life too. But as Christians, we need to understand because we get saved, we still have some stinking thinking we have to deal with. And that's why I believe that this series is so incredibly important that we remove the stinking thinking and don't revert back to the old way of thinking, but embrace a new way of thinking for a new way of living. You can't embrace a new way of living with old thinking. You've got to embrace a new way of living with new thinking. That's just the way it is. You know, every one of us, when we are born, we are born into a culture. Do you know that? We weren't born with a culture. We were born into a culture. I was born into an English culture, which is why I drink cups of tea. It's why I've been drinking tea since 18 months of age. I just drink tea. It's my drink of choice. A meal is not complete until I have a cup of tea. That's not kingdom culture. That's English culture. If I grew up in a different culture, I might like different foods. If I was born into some other kind of family, I may have different views on things because we're all born into a culture. But the Bible tells us when we are born again, we are born again into a new culture. And that's where the clash is. It's this old way of doing things, this old way of thinking, now confronted with a new way of doing things and a new way of thinking. So when I was born, I was born into a culture. When I was born again, I'm now born again into a new culture. And it's an upside down culture. It's an upside down kingdom. It doesn't make sense to the natural way of thinking. Jesus said, do you want to be great? He said, yeah, I want to be great. Then serve. What? New way of thinking. It's a new culture. I was born again into a new culture. My old culture may have said, climb that corporate ladder. You walk over anyone you have to to get to where you're going. That's the culture of this house. Maybe you were born into that. But when you get born again, we're born again into a new culture. And you want to be great. 
And that was the argument amongst the disciples. They wanted to be great because most young men want to be great. They want to be significant. They want to make a difference. There's nothing wrong with that. And Jesus didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. He just taught them how to be great. And he got a child to come in the midst. He got this child to sit on his lap. And he said, you want to be great? You'll become like a child. You want to be great? You've got to serve. For the Son of Man, speaking of himself, did not come to be served, but to serve. This is the upside down kingdom of God that we got born again into. And, and it messes with our head, if we're honest. And, 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 and this thinking keeps me in a job because every week I've got something to say because we're always dealing with this old man or this old way of thinking. And, and so I trust that through this series, you won't just listen to it once, but you get on the online or on Beanpod or podcast and just listen to these messages over again and get a, a truer sense of who you really are. I'm so grateful that my dad drummed into me that there's nothing you can do, good or bad, that's going to change the fact that you're my son. And I'm proud of you. My dad was proud of me before I did anything. He used to tell me all the time, I'm proud of you. I said, what do I do? He said, nothing. I'm just proud of you. I, I remember someone coming up to my dad once and said, ah, oh, you must be proud of your son. And they were speaking in the context of leading the church and some of the things that we've seen over the years. And that poor blessed person, I'm sure their intentions were good. Trouble is, they don't know my dad. And they said, proud of my son? What do you mean proud of my son? I was proud of him the day he was born. He doesn't need a leader church for me to be proud of him. They cop to serve. <laughs> and to that person, I'm really sorry. I, <laughs> I, I believe their intentions were pure. But I, I love that fight in my dad that says, no, no, no. The proudness that I have has got nothing to do with what he's done. I was proud of him the day he was born. I loved him the day he was born. I'm pleased with him. And we see that being modelled in the life of Jesus when he was baptised. This voice from heaven came. And it's amazing. People think, oh, if God spoke to me, then I would believe. Do you know that day when, when God spoke over his son? A lot of people just thought it was thunder. God was speaking. A lot of people got their umbrellas out thinking it was going to rain. They missed it. So don't think for a moment, if God speaks, you're going to hear. But on that day, what God said over Jesus, He said, this is my son, whom I love. And with him, I'm well pleased. And in that moment, his identity, his acceptance and his approval was found in who he was, not what he did. Because in that moment in Jesus' life, he'd never done a miracle. It was before he started his ministry. And the Father, God the Father, much like my dad spoke over me, spoke over his son, Jesus, said, this is my son, whom I love, and with him I'm well pleased. Identity, acceptance, and approval. That's what we all seek. We all seek identity, acceptance, and approval. That's why young girls will allow themselves to be beaten and raped just to be part of a gang so they can belong, be accepted. There's some real tragic stories out there of people desperately wanting to belong, desperately wanting to be accepted, and they'll do anything. And Jesus says, you don't have to do any of that. You want to belong to the family of God? You want to be part of God's household? Just believe. You don't have to do anything. Because He loved you before you were even born. And so for me, this is such a powerful, powerful Series, And today we're just going to continue it with this thought 
Not only are we an heir, not only are we saved, not only are we adopted, not only are we an ambassador, all those incredible truths that we've already heard, but also you and I, we're chosen. We are chosen. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're chosen. And if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, reading for verse 1, it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Let me stop there just very quickly. Notice how the author, Paul, writing to this church in Ephesus, starts his letter. He says, I am Paul, identity. That's who I am. And this is what I do. I'm an apostle by the will of God. He didn't say, I am the apostle Paul. He didn't confuse his title and his position with who he was. I think many of us today confuse our identity with what we do versus who we are. Paul says, I am Paul. And by the will and grace of God, He's graced me to be an apostle. That's what I do. This is who I am. And, and, and this is what I do. And all of you have been called and you have a purpose. But let's not confuse our purpose and our calling and our gifting with who we are. My name is Tony. At times I'll get called Pastor Tony just by giving a reference point as to who I am in the context of the church. But I'm not Pastor Tony by identity. I'm Tony. I'm Keith Rainbow's son. We rock us rainbows, we do. And I'm a child of God and I'm an heir. And that's who I am. And in this moment in my life, I lead a great church called Victory Church. I, I, I'm a pastor, but it's not who I am because my job can change. And if I find my identity in what I do, I'm going to hold on to my position longer than I should. And I'm going to do things I shouldn't do in order to find my identity in that thing. We have a number of pastors being, uh, churches being led by pastors who shouldn't be leading their churches. They're, they're great two ICs, but they're not great one ICs. They're not great senior pastors, but they will not let go because there's, there's notoriety and there's, there's, a, there's stature and there's, there's feelings that they get with those positions. And that could be true of your business. It could be a, true at the school, being the captain of the house colour that you're in or whatever it is. That's great, but it's not who you are because that can change. If you're putting all your identity in the fact that you're a house captain of Warren, which is Kings, I don't know who I want, the blue team, who aren't doing too well. Ever since my kids went to school, they stopped being the best. Anyway, I don't know what that's about, but anyway. Uh, imagine getting your identity being the house captain of Warren. Your days are numbered because that's just going to be for one year. What do you do when you leave? It's like, oh, my, my whole life's shattered. I'm no longer the house captain. <laughs> You're not what you do. You're not the good things you do. You're not the bad things you do. We want to separate who we are with what we do. To the saints in Ephesus. I, I love that. I could just preach this all day. I mean, the saints, you're a saint. You don't have to die and be dead for 100 years and do two miracles before you're a saint. Paul's teaching to people that are alive. He says, you're saints in Christ. You're already a saint. Just turn to the person next to you and just say, saint, whatever the name is. Just call them saint. That's saint Rebecca. Saint Crystal, not meth. We have a footy tip competition going on in our, in our staff and amongst our interns. And, and obviously creative names, it's always about getting a creative name. And so Crystal name won this year because her name is Crystal. And so her, her name in her tipping is Crystal, not meth. There's Crystal meth, but then there's Crystal, not meth. You're amazing. So... That was worthy of a round of applause, I thought, the creativity. 
God's a creative God. And I just think at that moment you're inspired by the Holy Spirit to come up with such an creative name. Anyway, I will never finish what I'm about to start if I keep interrupting myself like that. Grace and peace to you from the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in, heaven, in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Christ Jesus, in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He freely has given us in the one He loves. This thought around being chosen doesn't always bring up good feelings with some people. I know many today have experienced divorce and, and, and having to find out who, who are you going to go with and being chosen to stay at mums or being chosen to stay at dads. There's kind of a negative connotation around being chosen. I get that. That's further enforced with what took place at school, particularly in PE, where you stood, got two captains to stand out the front of the classroom and, and they would begin to pick the team that they wanted. And you know how that goes, don't you? Two captains... They're going to pick the best first. And so I said, I'll have Tony, he's good. And the other person says, well, I'll have Aidan. And you're sitting there saying, please, God, please, someone pick me. <laughs> you say, I'll become a Christian. I'll serve you all the days of my life. Just please. I'll join the monastery. I'll, you know, blah, just whatever. And some of you weren't the first picked. You weren't the second picked. You weren't the third picked. Some of you didn't even get picked. There was just a rabble at the end. There was about five or six of you. And no one wanted you, so they just divvied you up. He said, well, you just... just. So when I talk about chosen, it kind of brings up a wound. It brings up a pain. And that's not a bad thing. Because we're here to get rid of things that need to be got rid of. And if we need to get rid of the stinking thinking around what it truly means, according to the biblical pattern of being chosen, then that's a good thing. And so I just want to highlight four things very quickly around what it means, biblically speaking, to be chosen. And the first one is simply this, that you were chosen. You. Underline you. You were chosen. There's five and a half billion people on the planet today, and God chose you. He singled you out. He handpicked you. That makes you different. That makes you unique. That makes you special. You're not random. You're not a mistake. Some of you have been told by your parents you weren't planned, and so you've been led to believe that you were a mistake. You're not a mistake. You are here at the right time. You are here on purpose for a purpose. You're not too old. You're not too young. You are the God-ordained age that you were meant to be. You might have been a surprise to your mum. You might have been a surprise to your dad. You may not have even met your dad, but that doesn't change the fact that God knew you would be here at this time. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. God has chosen you. You are part of His plan. You are. You have gifts. You have talents. Please don't be one of those people who said, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. You may not be able to do as much as someone else. You may not be able to do what other people can do, but you can do something. And at this church, our greatest desire is that you would come to know Jesus Christ, that you get yourself planted into a local church and outwork, outwork your love relationship with God through the family of the church and that through that you would find your God-ordained purpose and serve Him wherever that may be based upon the gift that God has placed and laid upon your life. I want to say to everyone here, you're not an accident, you're not a mistake, you are here 
on purpose, for a purpose. And your age is the right age. The best age in the world right now to be, for me, is 50. I'm not too old. I'm not too young. I'm just like the right age because I was not a shock to heaven. I was not a shock to God and nor are you. You are chosen. Secondly, not only were you chosen, but you were chosen by God. See, the significance of your choosing comes down to the significance of the person that chose you. You know, parents, you know, can have an overinflated um, understanding of their child's talents. Have you noticed that? And, and that's why we see certain people on Australian Idol and other talent shows get up on stage and, and they sing. You think, what? Who on, who on earth would let their son or daughter get up on national television and sing like that, if you can even call it singing? Are you with me? I thank God I had a mum and dad who loved me enough not to ever let me do that. But, but there are some, so there are some who, who just, you know, th- th- they choose them because they have a background story. And, and what the judges don't know is that little Johnny, when he was younger, he couldn't even speak. And he had to go to a speech pathologist. And for 10 years, they worked with little Johnny and eventually he could speak. And, and it's a miracle of miracles. And so now to hear him sing, oh, it sounds so beautiful because there was a time he couldn't speak at all. So I'm just grateful that I get to hear some voice come from his mouth. Oh, it sounds wonderful, which is great for you. <laughs> just don't put them on national television. So, so when your mum chooses you and says, you're the best singer ever, that's great. But it doesn't come with as much weight as someone who's a judge on that show, who's qualified, who actually knows what a good voice sounds like. When they say, man, you're going through the next round, that's more special than just having your mum and dad say, ah, that sounds wonderful, because that can be very misleading. Much like if uh, I was chosen by my dad to play for Manchester United, that's nice. It just doesn't really mean much. Because my dad's not in a position to actually put me on that team. I appreciate the sentiment, but it really doesn't help. But oh my goodness me, if the manager of Manchester United chose me, wow, that'd be special. But when my dad says it, it doesn't really mean much. What you, wanna, what you have to understand is you're special because the one who chose you is special. You weren't chosen by the coach of Manchester United. You weren't chosen by a coach on the X Factor or Australian Idol. You were chosen by God Himself. And that's what makes you special because the one who chose you is special and that makes your choosing uh, ultra special in your life. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. This is the truth and this is the confidence that you and I should be able to go into every day with knowing that we have been chosen and we've been chosen by God. And that should change the way you see yourself and it should change the way we act on a day-to-day basis. Thirdly, not only were you chosen and not only were you chosen by God, but you were chosen before you were born. This is like a, 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 this is like a, a mind bender, this one. You were chosen before you were born. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you existed before you existed. One of our favourite songs that we sing in this church right now has a line in it that says, I was found before I was lost. We existed before we existed. 
God knew you before anyone else knew you. You say, how is that possible? Let me explain it this way. That's what makes God, God. If you want to reduce God to your understanding, then you would be God. And you wouldn't make for a good God and nor would I. There are some things that are so profound that only God knows and that's what makes Him God. But the psalmist understood something of that. And in Psalm 139 verse 16, he wrote this, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Only a sovereign God can see you before you are there. Our God is not only gracious, He's not only loving, He's not only caring, but He's sovereign, which means He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's able to be in more than one place at any given time. He can be in the Middle East right now, sorting out the affairs of all the wars that are going on in that place. And yet He can be in your family that has a broken marriage and see your tears. And He can be there because He's God. He's omnipresent. He's not bound by time. He's not bound by geography. This is what makes Him God. He's a sovereign God. This creates a lot of problems for intellectuals and theologians in the church because how do you balance the sovereignty of God and the free will of man? That can be a bit of a mind bender. But I do believe in the sovereignty of God, that He's all-knowing. But I do believe He gave me a freedom to choose. I believe in the free will of man and I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe God chose me, sovereignty, because He knew that I would choose Him, free will. The Bible says it this way, that many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, God's desire is that everyone comes to know Him. He chooses all of us, but not everyone chooses Him. The Bible says it this way, God so loved the whole world that He died for the whole world. He didn't just die for the white people. He didn't just die for black people. He didn't just die for Australians. He died for the whole world. But the whole world is not saved because a large portion of the world are rejecting Him. But He chose us and He leaves us to make a choice to choose Him. Jesus with His arms stretched out on the cross was asked, how much do you love the world? And the answer is that much and more. We used to do this with our kids all the time when they were younger. How much does Dad love you? That much and more. We love you that much and more. He's open to have a relationship with everyone and anyone who would just return the favour because for any relationship to work, it takes two. Many of you know my story. When I was in grade four, I had a crush on a young woman. I gave my everything to her. She gave me nothing in return. All my best efforts did not spark a relationship with her. Why? Because relationships take two. And she did not return the same affection that I gave her. starting to think our church was a heartless church, but I know you're better than that. <laughs> she not only didn't return my affection, but all the pencils and pens and, and erasers that I gave her, she never returned them either. She gave me nothing. <laughs> and so there was no relationship. I chose her. She didn't choose me. God and His sovereignty saw you before you were born, fell madly and passionately in love, you, love with you, and chose you. 
And now he waits for us with our free will to choose him. And I'm going to create an opportunity, even today, for you to choose him. People often say to me, if God's a God of love, why do these things happen? And why is this happening? The answer is pretty simple. When you leave God out of your life, all this love, all this care, all this forgiveness, when you leave that out of your life, you get what we're experiencing in the world today. It's not for God being in the world. It's for a lack of God being in the world that we're seeing the wars, the fighting, the backstabbing. Do you, do you really think as a, as, a, as a world, as a community, that this world would be fighting and bickering and complaining if we operated out of what Jesus operated out of? Love, forgiveness, acceptance, love in spite of what you've done? Do you, do you think the world would be better or worse if we embraced the lifestyle of Christ? So, so if God's a God of love, why do these things happen? Because we reject the God of love. God's love is constant. It's consistent. It's the same yesterday, today and forever. We are the variable, not God. We're the variable. Even the prodigal son lived in his father's house for a time and said, I'm out, I've had enough. And we do that. We give our lives to Christ and then something happens in church. We don't like it and so we, we go off. But even the prodigal son had enough sense to come home. God in that moment never left the prodigal son. God never leaves you, never forsakes you. That's what the Bible says. But it doesn't mean we live in the blessing of His presence. It doesn't mean we live in the protection of His presence because we can ignore Him. Jonah ran away from God. God said, go to Nineveh. Job said, no. God said, go. Jonah said, no. That's the story of Jonah right there. God said, go. Jonah said, no. God said, go. Jonah said, no. That's the story of many in this room. It's, it's my story at times. God asks us to do something. Just, I want you to forgive that person. No. Go. No. Just go. No. I'm, I'm, I'm one of three boys. I've got an older brother. I've got a younger brother. I'm the middle, overlooked, neglected child. Oh man, come here, give us some love. Come here, Paul. Come here. Come on, I feel you, man. Oh. Oh. And for all of you other middle kids out there, that's for you too, all right? But invariable, invariably, brother either side, there are fights, there are squabbles. And it's usually with my older brother, more so than the younger one. But anyway, it's just the way it is. And Dad, no matter what it went down, Dad was like, hey, I want you to go and make up. Go. No! <laughs> I want you to make up. I want you to give him a hug. Say you're sorry. Tell him you love him. No. And I realised every time, as long as I lived in my no, things never got better. Jonah had the free will to say no, and he did. But it never got better for him. It just got worse. Found himself on a boat. Big storm. People throwing cargo over. 
He goes, oh guys, I just need to say something. It's, it's all this happening because of me, throwing me over. And a whale gets him. He's inside a whale for three days. Three nights. Seaweed. Imagine the smell. I've loved this summer. I've got to be honest, I love this summer. I've never spent more time in my pool than this summer. It's been an amazing summer. And I spent a lot of time in the pool. But this is what, my hands and my feet get so wrinkled just from spending an afternoon in the pool. Anyone else like that? You're like, what the heck? I don't know what his skin looked like. I don't know how wrinkled it was. You've got bile, acid, body fluids. I mean, this, is, this isn't like, oh, in that wonderful God's rescuing mode. I mean, if I'm thinking of being rescued by God. I'm thinking, choose something better than a whale. How about another boat? How about stop the storm? You know, there's other ways. But here he is. He's no, he's in, the, he's in this wild, no. But God still chose Noah. Wouldn't let him go. God's chosen every one of you. You know, some of those precious people who had a great time last night and they're going to need people like us to remind them of what they did last night. Those kind of people who spent all their money on alcohol, drugs, can't remember much about what they did. And they found themselves passed out in Highness Street this morning. And we sit there judging, are you kidding me? God chose them. Are you kidding me? You think you're better than them? Are you kidding me? Really? Church, what? You think you're better than them? Because you're in church, you think you're better? That's the problem. When you don't understand your identity, you actually do start thinking you're better than someone who's doing worse than you. And you think you're worse than someone who's doing better than you. That's the problem. I promise you this. That person who's found themselves passed out in Piney Street this morning is no less chosen than you and me. No less loved than you and me. No less adored than you and me. The only difference is we live in a decision we made to say yes to the one who chose us. That's the only difference. And it's my prayer that over Easter, we'll give people opportunity to be in this environment so that they can say yes to the one who's already chosen them. That they can say yes to the one who's already loved them. Don't think for a moment you're better or I'm better than those. Or what about Joe Blow who's just mowing his lawn this morning because it's a beautiful day? Oh, I should be in church. No, no, no. He's no less chosen than you and I. He's no less loved. Guys playing sport. Guys making money, working. No less loved. They are chosen people. But they just haven't made a choice to respond to the one who's already chosen them. This is how it works. Andrew Kulikoski, I know you're a bit of a theologian out there, and uh, it's, a, it's a tough subject, but hopefully my heart has been conveyed. You know, in fact, the hardest job of a preacher is trying to describe the indescribable week by week. How, how do you describe one who cannot be put into words? 
That's what I'm trying to do week after week. Sovereignty of God, free will of man. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 